0: You're listening to audio from Central Baptist Church in Mansfield, Texas. If you would like to get more involved or get more information about our church, stick around after the message. If you have your Bibles, join me. Philippians chapter number two. Philippians chapter two. Merry Christmas, y'all. Y'all look nice this morning, see lots of red, Christmas colors, everybody get some good presents this morning? Yeah? All right. (laughs) I'm glad I was at my house, I guess. y'all do look nice today. That reminds me of a story I read in Reader's Digest. It says, when my niece was a student, her class of 6 year olds sang, hark the herald angels sing. Don't you love it when kids take part in services? I know I do. Um, So they were singing, and the line that says, God and sinners reconciled, was awfully tricky for those six-year-olds. One little boy with a voice that completely drowned out the rest of the choir. You know there's always one of those in every group. Belted out happily, God and sinners dressed in style. <laughs> Don't you love Christmas? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> <Hey>, <sighs> kids this time of year are especially filled with all kinds of joy. Um, I had the pleasure of being up here during the school day and got to watch them practice their Christmas special and uh, it was uh, very awesome seeing those little ones and how excited they were about Christmas. I mean they put different things on the back screen for them to watch and they're like oh that's Santa oh that's that's the manger and they were just so excited about it all. Um, One Christmas a wife was explaining that her husband put an assortment of beauty products in her stocking. She said, I tried on the facial mask and was about to wash it off when my eight-year-old son, Caleb walked in. I explained to him that it was a present from his dad and it would make me beautiful. He patiently waited by my side as I rinsed and patted my face dry. She looked at him and said, well, what do you think? And he exclaimed, Oh, mom, it didn't work. <laughs> I guess Caleb was at some of your houses today. <laughs> I love a good story. We've been talking about the cast of Christmas. A good story needs a few different things it needs uh, cliffhangers, you know, something that leaves you in angst. It needs humor. Every good story has some humor involved. It needs a good supporting cast. Uh, It needs some unsung heroes. Uh, It needs a deuteragonist. You guys can look that up. I was hoping to preach that last Sunday, Um, but we'll have to wait till next year for that one. Um, It needs an antagonist, a protagonist. Um, There needs to be a conflict between the hero, the antagonist, and the protagonist. Every story needs a hero. The greater the hero Typically, the greater the story. Today, we're going to read about the greatest hero in history, the hero of Christmas. Look with me at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse number 5, kind of an unorthodox Christmas passage. It says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. God, we bow before you this morning, grateful for the word of God. I thank you for the day, Lord, for the time that we have together to celebrate your birth. And I pray, Lord, that just as kids are excited and look at the day in awe, I pray that us adults, Lord, will not get over the wonder of the fact that you became a man so that we could come to you. I pray, Lord, that today, if there's one that doesn't know you, that they'll open up their heart and accept the greatest gift ever given. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, just three very brief points this morning. Number one, our, hor- our hero's origin story. Every Christmas, our family, before we open presents, we always read Luke chapter 2. We read about the birth of Jesus. Most would call that passage the origin story of Jesus, but is it really? The language Paul uses in this passage in Philippians 2 is very expressive. We are told in no uncertain terms that Jesus was a real man. It says that he made himself of no reputation. Um, No reputation means to empty. Jesus voluntarily laid aside some of his divine prerogatives when he came into this world. Who once was omnipresent was now located in one location. Who once was omnipotent and had all power, had to learn how to talk and had to learn how to walk. One that was omniscient and knew everything about everything now had to learn just basic things Could you imagine being the one that made the sciences and now having to learn all about them again? You see, this man named Jesus, though he never had a physical body before, was uh, eternal in the past. The reality of our hero is that he has no origin story. Our hero, Jesus, is God in the flesh. He is eternal, he is everlasting. Listen to what the Gospel of John says about this man named Jesus. John 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. What's amazing about our hero is that he chose to have a physical origin story that came from Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Our text says that he was made in the likeness of man. The term likeness means in the very image of something. I find it interesting that at the beginning of creation, God tells himself that he wants to make man in his own image. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, God made himself in man's image. While God may have become a man, he never stopped being God. While Jesus Christ was 100% man, he was always also 100% God. He merely concealed his heavenly fame in a earthly frame. Every now and then, this deity that he had always would outshine his humanity. His advent was holy because when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, God literally came into this world and walked amongst us. This man named Jesus, think about the place of his birth. It was a cave turned into a makeshift stable. A place used to give birth to sheep. But once Jesus showed up, he became a throne room. Curious, this little throne room. No tapestries covering the windows. No velvet garments on the courtesans. And instead of a golden scepter, the king holds a crudely whittled olive wood rattle. Curious, the sounds in this courtroom. There's cows munching. There are hooves crunching. A mother humming. A babe nursing. It could have begun anywhere, the story of this king. But curiously, it began in a manger. Step into the entryway. Peck through the window. God's in there. God had entered the world as a baby should be unimaginable to all of us. Yet were someone to dance upon that sheep stable in the outskirts of Bethlehem, what a peculiar scene they would behold. The stable stinks like all stables do. The stench of urine, dung, and sheep reek pungently in the air. The ground is hard, the hay is scarce, cobwebs cling to the ceiling, and a mouse scurries across the dirt floor. A more lowly place of birth could not exist. Maybe your life resembles that stable in Bethlehem. Crude in some spots, maybe smelly in others. Not much glamour. You do your best to make the best of it, but try as you might, the roof still leaks, so to speak. The winter wind still sneaks through the holes you just can't seem to fix. You've shivered through your share of cold nights and you wonder if God has a place for someone like you in his story. Find your answer this morning in that Bethlehem stable. The story of Christmas is the story of God's unrelenting love for you. The moment Mary touched God's face, is the moment that God rested his case. This proved that there is no place that God wouldn't go to show us how much he loves us. May the amazing truth of this season never grow old. The angel said it best that Emmanuel is now God with us. Nobody has ever been born like this. Shepherds, prophecies fulfilled angels declaring in the night sky, and a virgin giving birth in a stable. Number two, think about our, hero, our hero's power. Found in the fashion of a man, Paul tells us. Jesus was born as a man. He lived as a man. He suffered as a man, and he died as a man. He was, in every sense of the word, a real, genuine human man. He knew pain, poverty. He knew sorrow and loneliness, and he faced rejection often. He knew laughter, hope, and friendship. He knew every aspect of our human existence, yet he had no sin. He voluntarily came into this world and subjected himself to the human existence so that we might be able to identify with him. The Bible says that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We are told the God of man willingly allowed himself to be overtaken by death. The one that is called the prince of life entered the jaws of death for you and for me. The one who is... The resurrection and the life humbled himself and allowed the cruel fingers of death to wrap themselves around him so that we could experience everlasting life. Jesus was born with the shadow of the cross already upon him. With the shadow of the cross upon his heart, he learned how to walk. He learned to talk, he learned to work. When Jesus was born, the place of his birth, the circumstances around his birth pointed towards that sacrifice. It shadowed everything that was happening in that little stable. Think about this. Bethlehem was where the sacrificial lambs for the temple sacrifices were uh, raised and given. The fact that Luke tells us that there were shepherds abiding in the field gives us a little indicator on when Jesus was born. You see, there was just a a small strip of land between a couple of mountains where shepherds would um, graze the sheep leading up to the um, uh, Passover and different things like that. And that was during the month of August into the early parts of September. So we can narrow down the fact that most likely Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, but he was born sometime in September, at least on our calendar. But this was the place that these shepherds would raise these sheep, and these sheep were born for a purpose, to be the sacrificial lambs in the temple in Jerusalem. The likely place where Jesus was born was a place in the northern part of Bethlehem called Migdal Eder. This was a watchtower with a place underneath that shepherds used during the lambing season to shelter the newborn lambs that would later be used as sacrifices in the temple. Jesus was also wrapped in what the Bible calls these swaddling clothes. They were strips of cloth wrapped around. They probably didn't have much else to keep him warm. So they grabbed anything that was available and these cloths were used to wrap dead people after they had died. Even the clothes that Jesus was wearing pointed to his purpose. Jesus wasn't born to live. Jesus was born to die. In his death, Jesus provides redemption for all of us who have believed on him. He also demonstrated the boundless love of God for sinners like you and like me on that cruel cross. When Jesus died on that cross, he opened up the way to God for all who would be saved. The death he died was no ordinary death. Philippians 2 tells us that when he died, that even his death was the death of the cross. No more brutal form of execution has ever existed in the history of the world than that death. Jesus died in a horrible agony so that you and I might live in boundless glory. Hear me, friend. The glory of his birth is fulfilled in the agony of his death. Jesus died for you. Hey, friend, Santa has nothing on that. Jesus died for us. Think about all that he went through. The greatest gift ever given was not just his birth, but the way that he died for you and for me. He became this sacrificial lamb so that my sins and your sins could be covered completely, 100%. It's unbelievable to think about that as he was being flogged with the cat of nine tails, that as he was being um, spiked through his hands and through his feet, and as he was having to try to breathe on that cruel cross, my sins were then placed on my Savior's shoulders so that I could find forgiveness. Hey, friend, we can have joy today because Jesus took our sins back then. Jesus died for us. And think about how powerful this is. His death was the most powerful sacrifice for my sins and yours. Jesus' sacrifice was so powerful, no other sacrifice was needed. You know why those shepherds had a job? Because those lambs were needed every single year. Could you imagine on days like today having to bring a sheep along with you? And, oh man, alive, I wouldn't be a pastor. (laughs) Having to to go through all of those sacrificial systems with those sheep and having to put different sacrifices for every single person in the room. Could you imagine how long of a service that would be? I wouldn't be able to wear a suit. (laughs) Could you imagine? But every year these high priests would have to go through this every single year and multiple times during the month. There was sacrifice after sacrifice. And the reason why there had to be sacrifices after sacrifices is because the people kept on sinning. And the lamb wasn't powerful enough to take away all of their sins. But here comes Jesus. And not only did he take the sins of the people living at the time, and not only did he take the sins of all of the people that believed on him before he even came, and all of the people after that would believe on him. Jesus took my sins too. And the great thing about Jesus' sacrifice is that it's enough. Look at what it says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4 says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Friend, hear me. That old sacrificial system was never gonna be enough. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, what does it say? Forever sat down on the right hand of God. I love the imagery of the of this verse. The imagery is, is powerful. In the Jewish culture, whenever a man was done working, the first place he would sit would be at the dinner table. It meant that his day's work was done and he was ready to eat. But there was one piece of furniture, if you go through the entire temple, that wasn't there. In the temple, there was not a seat anywhere to be found. And that was specifically done on purpose because the priest's work was never completely he could never finish what was supposed to be said because it was never going to be completed. But when Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice, he sat down at the right hand of God, proving that the work of redemption was over. Friend, we do not have to work anymore for our salvation. We don't have to fulfill a certain list of rules and requirements. Jesus has done it all for us. Everything. His resurrection was then so powerful that when he came back to life, his body sprang to life, he was able to give us new life too. Jesus didn't just become a man for his earthly life down here. Even after he died and rose again, he still bears the form of his humanity to this day. When Jesus became a man, He eternally limited himself to that human form. In fact, in heaven today, Jesus still bears some of the marks and some of the wounds that he suffered at Calvary. When we see him in heaven, we will see him as God because he is, but we will still see him as the man who died on the cross, who still bears the marks of that experience in his body. Throughout eternity, the spotless bride of Christ will be reminded of the price that was paid for our redemption. I believe that eternity will ring loudly with the praises of him, name a man, so that men might get to God. Nobody has ever accomplished what our Savior accomplished. But lastly, the hero's victory. Man, I like this. I really do. Verses 9, 10, and 11 are some of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. Because even on days like today, now I understand some of the history behind the Xmas. But I would assume that most people that use x miss aren't doing so with reverence. Can I tell you, it bugs me. Can I tell you something else that bugs me? It happens almost on every sitcom and TV show now, today. Um, You can't hardly listen to even the radio any longer and hear it. And people will take my Savior's name for granted even irks me more when I hear professing Christians do the exact same thing. Jesus, God, aren't curse words. Those names should be treated with the utmost respect, even on days, and especially on days like today. For all of human history, it seems like mankind has invented new ways to make God underfoot. To treat him and his name and his ways of life with disrespect. Our, the, our enemy, the devil, in my opinion, has made this a part of his plan to ensure that people don't hold God and his son Jesus in the proper respect as they should. And I think you would agree with me that this process has gotten worse and worse and worse, where today Jesus' name is not met with much respect whatsoever. But my Bible tells me that there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Philippians goes on to tell me that at that name, every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hey friend, there is coming a day at the great white throne judgment that every atheist that has ever lived, every agnostic that has ever lived Every person that has played with the name of our Savior will be forced to look at him in all of his glory, will bow their knees in reverence and declare Jesus is Lord. Here's our plea. Don't wait to that day. If you wait to that day, It'll be too late. You see, Jesus isn't just Savior. Surely, we need to understand that Jesus, whether people admit to it or not, Jesus is Lord. And he is not just worthy of your worship on that day. Jesus is worthy of your worship today. So today, that little babe Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Don't just view it as a beautiful story. View him as God in flesh. And bow your knee and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord. Would you please stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? God, we bow before you today, grateful for Christmas. Lord, it's an honor and privilege to be able to worship you with God's people today. I thank you, Lord, for those who are faithful to come. And now I pray that as we think about the hero of Christmas, we'll be reminded that he is Savior. Lord, he's powerful enough to forgive all of my sins and every sin of every person that's listening this morning i pray that today he won't just be a baby in a manger but lord he'll be all of our saviors i also re- pray lord that everyone here will realize that he didn't just come to get us out of hell lord he came to ensure that we can make him the lord of our lives and I pray that we will humbly submit to his lordship. Today I pray and I thank you for Jesus. We pray for those that don't know him. I pray today that the gospel and all of its power will break through their dead heart and bring them to life. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are at 930 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We're located at 700 North Walnut Creek Drive in Mansfield, Texas. You can visit our website at cbcmansfield.com or follow us at Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CBC Mansfield. Thanks again for joining us.